0: Tonight, if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter number one, Acts chapter number one. Just going to read one verse tonight. Uh, It's a very familiar passage. If you've been around the church world any length of time at all, you have probably heard this forward and backwards and inside and out, but uh, I, I think it's important for us to use it to lay a foundation for where we're going to be, as I mentioned this morning. Uh, starting this evening, and I'm not a big series preacher. It's fine for those that are, uh, but I've never really operated that way. I've did a few throughout the years. Uh, But tonight, Lord willing, Sunday morning of next week as well as next Sunday evening, uh, we are going to go on a journey together. Uh, And with the help of the Lord, we're going to do a series on a biblical understanding of Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, I'm going to read in our hearing together tonight, and then we'll just pray and ask the Lord to lead us as we teach and preach for a few moments. It says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Let me read it again. But ye shall receive power... Tell your neighbor, say he's talking about you. Tell your other neighbor, if you've got another neighbor, tell them the same thing. After, how many knows that something has to happen first? But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in our lives and even in this room today. Father, I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit and just the the freedom that we have to worship you and to exalt you and also to take of your word, take of your bread and eat it and experience life. And today I pray that you would anoint this series of messages that's going to be brought over the next few days and that you would uh, be the one that would receive glory and honor in all that is done. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen and amen. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this morning or this evening. I sincerely believe tonight that one of the greatest needs within the church currently is to possess a biblical understanding concerning the gift as well as the purpose of the gift which we call the holy spirit or the holy ghost we know today that this gift and this is something that i think we need to have clear understanding of is that this gift was never given for men to receive glory it was given for men To live in a manner that would bring glory to their God. Anytime something begins to bring awareness or brings attention. I understand that we're in a world and men and women are drawn to personalities and things of that nature. I'm not necessarily talking about that. But when men began to exalt you. Be very careful because, can I tell you, we are never to be exalted, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to always bring glory and honor to our God. Now, as you begin to operate in the giftings of the Holy Spirit, I will tell you this, it is normal for men and women to say things such as, oh, we was in service with brother or sister so-and-so, and they healed or they did this or they did that. People are going to say those types of things, but you always take that and you always put that where that goes, and that is we didn't do anything. We was a vessel that God flowed through, and he gets all the glory and the honor. Amen. So I think it's important that we understand that this gift was never given for men to receive glory, but this was given for men to live in a manner that would bring glory and honor to their God. I feel like it is necessary to really bring clarity as well as maybe even some correction to the body of Christ concerning this wonderful gift that God has given us. And we know that this is a gift that many approach with hesitation, uh, with anxiety. They become anxious about it because of a lot of different reasons, and we'll get into those over the next few services if the Lord helps us. But my goal is not only to bring clarity and correction, but it is also to bring about a release for individuals to operate in this wonderful gift that God has given us with a state of confidence. How many knows that God wants you to flow in his gifts? He never wants to give you something to make you anxious. He never wants to give you something to make you uptight. He doesn't want to give something that's going to cause you to wring your hand, so to speak, and say, am I doing this right? Listen, that's not how God operates. I believe today that the body of Christ is suffering greatly due to the lack of understanding concerning the Holy Spirit, which in turn means that the people around us, the unreached, is also suffering greatly. The early church gives us a very clear example of what really happens when a group of men and women or an individual has an encounter where they really truly experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for salvation, and I'm thankful for all that entails that entails when we accept Christ and we surrender our lives and by the spirit of God we are born again and that's a great place to start but how many knows there's more yeah. there is more and I you say well why are you teaching and why are you going to be ministering on this is because and I'll be honest with you I've 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 been spending a lot of time meditating and digging through over the last month and a half concerning a lot of what I'm going to be sharing. Uh, But I believe that we have to come to a place where we have an understanding of it because I do believe there's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's getting ready to sweep the nation that we call home. In the midst of its trouble, in the midst of its darkness, there is a fresh visitation of the Holy Ghost that's coming And can I tell you, it's going to be falling on a group of people that was not necessarily raised in the house of God like many of you was. They didn't basically cut their teeth on it, uh, so to speak. And therefore, I think there has to be real biblical understanding of what is the purpose and why is it needed today and why is it relevant. I, I want us to understand that I believe that in order for us to really operate to the full capacity if you will of what god is calling us to there is going to have to be a freshness of the holy spirit in the lives of men and women so as we begin on this journey tonight and i'm beginning slow because i want to lay this out and i'm going to give you lots of scripture verses to reference you can write and you can read on your own time i do not have we would be here all night and uh And a whole lot longer if we started to really dive into every scripture that I'm going to reference this evening. But let me make this statement at the very beginning of this evening. We are living in the age of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. You may ask, what does that mean? God has designed everything. Tell your neighbor everything. God has designed everything in the church to be done By the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit in the last days was predicted or prophesied by Old Testament prophets many years ago. And let me make this statement that is without a doubt that we are living in the last days. You may say, how do you come to that conclusion? Is because at the day of Pentecost, if you was to read Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, it says when the day of Pente- Pentecost was fully come, and you read of when that first initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit that fell upon the 120 in the upper room you will find that when Peter stood up and he began to preach on that particular day, he simply made a reference. He said, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of and he's referencing Joel chapter two. He said that there would come in the last days, there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we'll read that in just a moment. So therefore, at the day of Pentecost, we transitioned into the time what we can identify as the last days. Now we've been in the last days for nearly 2000 years. And now I know that the Bible is very clear that it says that we are to watch and pray uh, because when a man thinketh that he is not coming, then he will appear. Now I don't know, no man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come, but I do know this, he's coming. And he's coming for a church that is without spot, without blemish, that is as a bride is adorned for her husband. Now, the only way that we can be adorned and beautified in that manner is if we are walking with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost in our lives, because how many knows we can't do it in ourselves? We need the spirit of God. Now... So if we've been in the last days for nearly 2,000 years, I think it's safe that we can simply say we are not just in the last days, but we are in the final leading up to the final moments of the last days, meaning this, that we are getting closer to the time of his appearing. And therefore if we are going to do something, we must do it quickly because the Bible teaches us that we are to work while it's day because night comes when man will not be able to work. And if you haven't noticed, there's there's an air of darkness all around us and we know that gross darkness is coming and therefore we must be found laboring. But in order for us to labor, we're going to have to be empowered by the spirit of God. How many knows that when you read the verse that we read together tonight, that you shall receive power? How many knows it takes power to work? Is it possible we're not getting much work done today because we don't have much power? And is it because maybe we don't have much power because we don't have yet inquired or experienced the real baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm going to make a statement that may make somebody very uncomfortable. And I'm not saying it from a judgmental standpoint, but I'm going to say it from a place of observation of what I've saw throughout the church world, and I've traveled and been many places, is this, I believe that there is a misconception, and I think there has been a great disservice done by spiritual leaders And we have told people that they have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and yet they have never been baptized. Now, I know that's kind of controversial. How dare you? But I'm going to say this. If you really have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will not be on a roller coaster of emotions, but you will walk with power and anointing. Now, the reason they use the word baptism is because it was a language that was used at that time in history. They people could understand what was being said. For example, they simply used the word baptism because you can take a linen garment, if you will, a white linen garment. They would have something that's equal to what we would call a bathtub today. And it would be filled with dye and they would take those linen garments or those wool garments and they would take that and they would dip it into the dye and when it would be dipped in, they would bring it back up and that garment would be completely different than it was when it was dipped in. It was called baptizing. And therefore, they used this reference of been baptized by the Holy Ghost, meaning this, once there is an immersion of the Holy Spirit in the life of an individual, while we may look the same such as our hair is going to be the same, and our eye color is going to be the same, but our life is not going to be the same as it was before we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You understand with me tonight? It was, a ter- it was a terminology saying, listen, there is a noticeable difference in your life because of the power or because of what you came in contact with. How many knows that we need to come in contact with that which God has? Not only did he give us a free gift of salvation, but he has also given us a free gift of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of that gift is so that we can walk in power and authority. We talked about this morning, engaging a culture. There's not much appetite to engage a culture because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why there is such a resistance to an engagement. But notice with me, if you were to read Isaiah chapter number 28, verse 11, we find that the word of the Lord is very clear. It says, for with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to his people? This is something that was prophetically spoken of many years before Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. The reference that I made just a few moments ago when Peter was standing and preaching in Joel chapter 2, notice what Joel said in Joel chapter 2 and verse number 28. He says, "'It shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my Spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke.'" notice what he's saying is this he's saying there's coming a day in the future where there is going to be an outpouring not just on an elect few but there is an opportunity for a vast majority of people that will put their faith and the trust in the Lord that they can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if we're not careful we're always looking at that in a futuristic term but we have to realize we've been in that hour ever since Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and therefore you and I are the sons of and daughters that is mentioned in this passage of scripture. You and I are the ones that should be operating in the power and the authority of God. Yes it is for your children but it's for your children's children and your children's children. Uh, But you and I are those sons and daughters that Joel was speaking of and that Peter was preaching of. You and I today are the ones that should be having dreams and visions. You and I are the ones that should be walking with the power and the authority of God. We are the ones that should be operating in the gifts of the spirit that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the question is why aren't we here's my opinion for what it's worth it's not gospel but it's my opinion for the last 35 years we have been men and women that had good intentions but was overzealous And they got somebody to get a little bit emotional in the sanctuary in the American church and they simply told a young person or a young adult in the faith and simply said, oh, you've got it. And they never had it. They had quivering lips and it's not the same as stammering lips and therefore they never truly experienced the baptism. They felt a touch of God but they never really found or experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because can I tell you, when you come into contact with it, you will know that you have possessed it. Now, what does this really mean? Here's what I want you to understand with me tonight. The Holy Spirit is not something less than, but you and I must understand that it is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's not just a thing, but he is part of the Godhead. He is more than a mere influence of power, but... He is one that we should hear and respond to. The Holy Spirit is spoken of as a He. If you was to read in John chapter number 16, you will find in verse 13 and verse number 14, it says these words: Howbeit when He, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, this is Jesus talking, for he shall receive of mine, talking of the Father, and he will show it unto you. Meaning this, we have to understand that this is something very vital and important for us to have understanding of. Notice the attributes, or if you would, the personality of the Holy Spirit. He is a man of knowledge, not just any knowledge, but of the knowledge of God. He's a man, and you can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. We also know this, that the Holy Spirit, he has a will. He has a mind. He has a heart of love. He is one that has great intelligence, we find in Nehemiah 9 and 20. We also know this, that the Holy Spirit, he can experience grief. And I think it's very important we understand that because Ephesians 4 and 30 tells us and instructs us that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. But when we begin to talk about this, you say, but, but I'm not real sure, preacher. Notice with me, all throughout the Old Testament scriptures, we find types and shadows of the New Testament. And all throughout Old Testament scripture, and even over into the New Testament, we find that there are symbols uh, that represent he, the Holy Spirit. And when, I'll give you a, a few of them very quickly, just so that we have them. When you start reading a fire in the Book of Isaiah chapter four, what we're talking about is the presence of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. When you talk about Acts chapter two at the Day of Pentecost, when there the, the was uh, there was fire come upon them, is what they f- uh, assumed it to be. We find that not only is fire mentioned, but we find it also in Matthew three eleven. But we also find that another symbol is the wind. When you hear the wind blowing, when you experience the wind blowing, uh, the same thing can be said in John chapter 3 and verse 8 as well as Acts 2 and verse 2 and 3. We also find that water is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And we find that in John chapter 7 and 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. We also find that when you talk and read about the the oil throughout scripture, it is often referencing the presence of the Holy Ghost. And then we also find, and you find that in Matthew 25 and 3 and Psalms 89 and 20. And then you also can find that when the dove is mentioned, you're talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, you find in Matthew 3 and 16. Uh, so there's many references or symbols that we could talk about. But even when we began to look at the life of Jesus, uh, when he came and put on the form of man, we find this, that Luke chapter 1 and verse 35 tells us that Jesus was born of the Spirit. If Jesus was born of the Spirit, how many knows we need to have a a born-again experience where we experience the Spirit of God as well? We also find this, that he was filled with the Spirit. If he was the one that needed to be filled with the Spirit, how many knows that we need to be filled with the Spirit as well? John chapter 3 and verse 34. Here, let me pause for a moment and say this. There should not be a resistance to the Holy Spirit of God, but there should be a desire for that which is heaven. Uh, Let me ask this question to you, has God ever gave you anything bad? So why is it are we so reluctant to receive all of the gifts that he has for us? If he has the gifts for us, it is a gift that is going to bring more or increase into our life. And he understands that there is a task ahead of us and that we have a responsibility that he has given us. And therefore, he's going to equip us to do the task at hand. And therefore, it is important for us, just as he was in John 3 and 34, he was filled with the Spirit. But he also, we know this, in Matthew 4 and 1, he was led by the Spirit. See, the the reason that you and I need to understand the full table concerning the Holy Spirit is because it is going to set the stage on how we live our lives in every avenue of life. Notice with me, it was through the Holy Spirit that Jesus himself ministered in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18. When he began to deal with the demonic kingdom, he cast out devils by the Spirit. It's ironic when you begin to read through Scripture, Matthew 12 and 28. Notice it also in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 38 tells us that he was anointed by the Spirit. He offered himself without fault by the Spirit according to Hebrews 9 and 14. We also know that when he resurrected very early on the first day of the week, he was resurrected by the Spirit according to Romans 8 and 11. Notice this is one we must not overlook. When he spoke in a commanding manner to his disciples and to you and I even today, he did it through and by the Spirit of God. You say, how do you know that to be true? Is when you look at Acts chapter 1, verse number 2, notice what it says. It says, until the day in which he was taken up, meaning after his resurrection for 40 days he showed himself with infallible proofs, that after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. It is by the Spirit of God that he speaks to you and I today. So if it is by the spirit that he operates, how much more important is it for you and I to operate in the same spirit? Just some questions that I'd like to ask this evening. So what does that really mean concerning the church? Notice with me. The church of Jesus Christ, we understand this. In order to be part of the body of Christ, one has to be born of water as well as have to be born by spirit. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, tells us of the story of the meeting of Nicodemus and Jesus. And Jesus very clearly articulates that you have to be born of water, but you also have to be born of the spirit. 1 Peter chapter 1, 22 and 23 also tells us of this truth. You also find that then it goes on that the church was baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. How is it that a man that was just 50 days prior roughly was denying and cursing, but was able to stand and preach a message where 3,000 men gave their heart to the Lord at one setting because of an encounter that he had with God? How is it that Peter and John just shortly after was able to stand at the gate called beautiful and simply say, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but that which I do have, I give unto you. What did he have? He had an experience he had an experience where he has been born in the water meaning he had a natural birth But also that he had had a spiritual birth and notice with me We received the Spirit of God upon our confession of faith when we accept him as Lord of our life But then we find that Peter had went to an upper room and stayed there for 10 days And he had experienced a baptism of the Holy Spirit where there began to be the Spirit of God Dwell upon him and in him in a manner that he had never known and therefore he was Was able to stand and speak with power and authority because of what he had. And therefore, the Bible teaches us that which we have freely received, we are to freely give. So he had biblical right and biblical authority to give what he had been given. So what had he been given? He had been given the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And please hear me. The reason that there is a lack of healing and moving of the gifts in the local body and in life in general is because of the lack of focus and attention of bringing people to the place where they have a true encounter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God. We have focused in the, I can only speak from what I know. And I can only speak from the holiness movement or the holiness background if you would say that. But that's what we was raised in and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for my heritage. But we leveled off at a place where we should have kept climbing and striving for because the pinnacle in the holiness movement was when you get saved, then you begin to desire or seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then if you speak in tongues, then you've got it and now you're good. And we stopped there. We never talked about anything other than that. Now, we know that there was men and women that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the old church and they maybe didn't really articulate it too much. I think they just assumed that we would understand but they operated in the gifts. Many of them operated in the gift of healing. Any of them worked in the, and operated in the office of miracles and the prophetic and, and all of these things. But it was never brought into a teaching setting where people began to understand what was really happening. And tonight I want you to understand with me uh, that unless we get back to where there is a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God upon men and women, we are not going to experience what we say we want to experience. Uh, there could not be be a great manifestation of healing power, there could not be a great manifestation of prophetic utterance, there could not be a completely presence of God to turn a world upside down unless, first of all, there is a man or a woman that's willing to go to an upper room and tarry there and receive the gift that God has for them. Notice with me, the Bible's very clear In Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14, it says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How can you be led by something that you don't possess? Just a question. How can we be led by something that we don't possess? You say, well, if the Spirit of God is in me, I understand that. But God says there's something more. He said this, it is expedient for you that I go away, that he can come... And he can give you a baptism or he can set down upon you because when he's present, he will lead you into all truth. He will show you things that was and is and is to come. And therefore, what he's simply saying is you don't have to operate and live in a life of defense, uh, but you can walk and live in a life of offense uh, and you can begin to take territory from the enemy. Notice, you and I today, we have the ability to operate in a realm where we can be led by the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God is leading me, he's not always going to be late, but he's always going to be on time. He may even be early, but he's going to begin to speak into my life and simply say this, you don't need to go there. Don't do that. And I've experienced that in my life. There's been multiple times that I've saw the hand of God protect me from things that the enemy had set snares for. And there's been multiple times throughout the last 23 years in this ministry where I I heard voices of people. And and I thought that, okay, well, that's innocent or what have you. But that little small voice uh, in my spirit, Brother John, would simply say, don't do that. Uh, I know it sounds okay, but you don't want that. Uh, And because that I gave heed to that, uh, I saved us from great embarrassment at times because can I tell you, everything that looks good and sounds good isn't necessarily good Uh, not everybody has a pure motive uh, but there is some that operate in a strange spirit, a seducing spirit uh, and and, and operate in doctrines of devils but when they do they don't show up in pitchforks and horns uh, but they show up in innocent forms uh, and it's only when you're being led by the spirit of God uh, that listen there has been multiple men and women that have tasted disaster because they got too busy and they got in too big of a hurry and they said, we'll just figure it out. It's not going to be that deal. We can handle it. And they wasn't been led by the Spirit of God. Please hear me, young and old alike in this room. We can never get too big that we think we don't need to be led anymore. But we've got to always say, God, I need you to lead me and guide me. I can't figure this out by myself. You say, but Oh, but God, I've walked with God for 30 years, absolutely. Uh, But at the same time, I can take you to the story of David. Uh, He's in the midst of battle, uh, and he seeks the Lord, and he says, Lord, uh, can I go fight this group over here? And he says, yeah, go fight them. You're gonna whip them. Uh, And he whips them. Uh, He gets a victory over them. Uh, But then all of a sudden, they come back again. Uh, If he would have went and done the same thing he did before, uh, he would have tasted defeat, but he didn't. He paused, and he said, Lord, uh, Should I go to them again? Uh, And the Lord said, no, wait. Uh, He said, what? Uh, He said, I want you to go around this mountain. I want you to go over here, and I want you to sit under some mulberry trees uh, because uh, I'm going to do something uh, before I release you. What he's saying is this. uh, I'm going to lead you in paths that you don't necessarily know. Uh, How was David able to get that great victory? Uh, It's because he was willing to be led by the Spirit of God. Uh, It didn't matter that he was king over Israel. Israel. Uh, It doesn't matter how much you have arrived in the eyes of men and women, but please hear me. Uh, No matter how many accolades you get, uh, no matter how many preaching engagements you have, uh, no matter how many attaboys you get from everybody that says you're altogether lovely, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, What matters is that every day of your life uh, you say, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit of God lead me. I know I'm supposed to be teaching, but i got to preach for a moment. I'm sorry, uh, because I feel my help. Uh, Can I tell you, uh, there's a generation that's dying and they're self-destructing because they said, oh, everybody likes me. They like my charisma. They like my gift. They like my talent. I've got this figured out. And they get to a place where they don't listen to the leading of the Lord. Then destruction comes. But can I tell you if a man or a woman will allow the Lord to lead them, you can stand with confidence and say this, I know that I'm a son of God. And when you walk in that place, you walk in a place of protection. You walk in a place of strength. You walk in a place of anointing. You walk in a place where no evil can come nigh you. Can I tell you, we ought to give him a hand clap of praise right there that he's still willing to let us be sons and daughters of God. Notice with me, the Holy Spirit in the church we find in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, tells us that the church was able to stand and testify of the goodness of God by the Spirit. You know the reason you got a testimony today? Yes, we overcome by the, word, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, but at the same time, we can stand and testify that we are the overcomers and victorious because the Spirit of God has been present in our lives. Miracles is what comes comes by the moving of the Spirit, Acts chapter 8, 5 through 7. How many knows that it takes the anointing to break the yokes of bondage? Do you know how you walk with the anointing? It isn't by becoming super polished, but you walk with the anointing by walking in a place of humility in such a manner that the Spirit of God is resting upon you. 2 Corinthians 1.21 as well as 1 John 2.27 tells us that it is the Spirit of God that brings the anointing of God. You could never walk with the anointing unless first of all you experience the Spirit of God. And can I tell you, I understand that when we're saved we get the Spirit of God, but there is something greater when there is a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. One of the reasons that we're dealing with what we're dealing with in our culture today with such anxiety and worrisome in the mind is because the mind has to be renewed. And do you know how the mind is renewed? It's by the Spirit of God. When you, as a man or a woman, find yourself in a place where your peace has been stripped away, that is a good sign that you need to go back to the upper room, can I tell you? One and done isn't how this thing works. I am thankful for the initial outpouring of the Spirit of God in our lives. However, you find all throughout the book of Acts that there was a feeling and a refilling and a refilling. Because can I tell you, you can put 12 ounces in a cup, but you start pouring out of that 12 ounce cup, it's going to have to be refilled eventually. The same thing with you and I. When God pours in and we start pouring out, bend his hands and feet, we have to go back and receive another dose of his spirit. It's not enough to say, well, I I, I had an encounter with God in 1983 and it was wonderful. Well, that's wonderful. But what about 1993? What about 2003? What about 2023? Please hear me. We only experience real true life through and by the Spirit of God. Romans 8 and 2 tells us that very clearly. And I'm hurrying tonight. So what does it mean? I know there's lots of debates and a lot of denominations about the Holy Spirit and about gifts and operation today. And a lot of people say that it all died when the apostles died and all of those things. But biblically, that is very incorrect in my opinion. Here's what I want you to understand with me tonight. The term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is very scriptural and very much alive for men and women today. We find that it was used by John the Baptist in John chapter one, verse 33. It was used by Jesus in Acts chapter one and verse five. It was also used by Peter in Acts chapter 11, verse number 16. Notice, it's also spoken of as being Filled with the Spirit, as we read in Acts chapter... are we mentioned in Acts chapter 2. Also, we reference the baptism of the Holy Spirit oftentimes in Scripture where it says, been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So what does all of this really mean? Here's where I want to spend just a few moments tonight, and then we're going to launch from this next Sunday morning. The Lord helps us. Even though in your Bible you will not read where it specifically says that speaking in tongues is the evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You won't read those words in your Bible. But you will find that this was the common experience that took place when men and women did receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I bring this up because I think this is going to launch us into something that may make us really stop and think on some things next week. But notice, because of this was a common experience within many different demographic groups that you read of in your New Testament, in your Bible, you will find that it should, we should somewhat expect to receive a similar experience when we also receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was a great attempt a great movement over the last several years to get people to believe that well there really don't need to be any evidence that you received anything we just said you got it so you got it but here's what I'm going to say if you take a piece of white wool and put it into a thing of red dye it's not going to come out the same there's going to be an evidence that something took place Now, I'm not saying that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that everybody's going to act exactly the same. That's not what I'm saying. But there will be an initial evidence that there was an event that occurred. Now, I know a lot of people get real uptight when you start talking about these things. But notice with me, at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, you will find that it says, they began to speak with other tongues. Now, you, we know that when we look at this passage of scripture that they were speaking in another language that they did not know, meaning they was all Hebrews. They did not speak other languages of the world. But it was ironic because at the feast that was taking place in the city of Jerusalem, There was devout men and women from all over the known world at that time. And they was present in the streets of the city. And when Peter began to stand and began to preach and they began to hear the other 119 that was in the room with him began to speak in other tongues. They was not just saying syllables, but they was actually speaking in a language And therefore, the men and women on the streets of the city, they simply said, aren't these not all Hebrew people? How is it that they can speak and I can hear in my native language is basically what they're saying. To make that clear today for us in this room, that would be like some of you in this room that have never spoken Japanese before, never spoke Russian before, but the Spirit of God comes upon you and you begin to speak in those languages because there is a Japanese audience or a a Russian audience around you. And you say, well, how in the world are you able to communicate with me in that manner? That was the evidence of the Spirit of God coming upon those people. You say, why is this important? It's because it was done to bring awareness that there was a God that was filled with power and authority that could make men do something that could not be explained. I'm going to dive into this a little bit more next week, but here's what I want us to understand. When you come down to Acts chapter 8, verse number 5 through 24, you will find that the apostle was there preaching and ministering to the Samaritans. And all of a sudden, they received the message. They began to be filled with joy. And they went back and they sent for Peter and John to come. And when they came, they laid hands on them and they all received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was known at that time, people began to say, how in the world is this happening? There was something took place there that I believe was very much like what took place in Acts chapter 2. And it brought a confounding presence that God is doing something. We also find that when you get to the Gentiles in Acts chapter number 10, it simply says that when the power of the Holy Spirit fell on that group of people, it says this in Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 48, it says that they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Notice it says they heard them speak with tongues. You find also the church at Corinth in the Corinthians there, they also spoke with tongues. You also find that the church at Ephesus, they spoke with tongues when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now, this is one of the things that I've really been diving into recently. And that is this when you hear the word tongues, you're talking about a language. And now we'll get into some of the different things when it comes to language. We're talking about there's a heavenly language. There's a language like I just talked to you about concerning you're speaking another language. But, and then there's a thing called the prayer language in your private time that does not need interpretation. That's when your spirit is praying because you don't know how to pray. But can I tell you, in every instance where the presence of the Lord is and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is present, there is a language there. There's tongues there. Tongues is referenced as language. That means language. How many knows language has more than one syllable? Right. On. I ha- and I have not been judgmental, but this is what I want you to understand. I have been in the room with a lot of overzealous people, good people, but overzealous. And they began to get caught up in the moving of the service. And I'm not anti-emotional. I believe that if you don't have emotions, you're probably dead. But I think you should be emotional. But you've got to be emotional in the right manner, in the right healthy manner that brings glory and honor to God. But I have witnessed men and women, unseasoned as well as seasoned, try to make something happen in a service. And they began to... Feel the beat of the music, so to speak. And if you don't think music has power, all you got to do is go watch a marching band and watch those old horses get in step with music and you'll find they'll begin to sway and move. Can I tell you, animals can even be moved by music. But men and women, they desire something so bad, but yet they're not willing to pay the price to get it. So they get to the place where they get into the moment of the service and they begin to think that this super spiritual status is present if I begin to move under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And and I'm not against that, but they get into a place and they upset the service. They take over the order of service and they grab somebody and they may have a good heart. And I'm not saying they don't, but they get the focus off and over on them. And now we've got, it's kind of like the song, the Mississippi squirrel, the squirrel starts running, everybody starts shouting. They don't even know why they're shouting, Uh, but it's the same thing happens in the spirit. Uh, And it's, it's not always the Holy Spirit, Uh, but sometimes the end enemy comes in and causes those disruptions, even uses good people because he doesn't want somebody to hear the word that day please hear me i am not been mean. I'm trying to help us because I'm telling you, we've got to understand this. And what I have seen witness, and if you all want to admit it or not, it don't matter to me, but you all been there and you all have seen it as well. And that is this. We'll see somebody. Brother John, I know you've witnessed this. Uh, and the thing is, is they'll grab the hands of somebody. They'll pray for somebody. And all you ever hear them say for 20 minutes is ta-ta-ti-ti. t t." is no language. If God is speaking, There is a language. If you hear somebody moving in the spirit, I'll put that in quotations, and there is no articulation to it. It's not the spirit of God. It very well might be a seducing spirit. It very might be a, a familiar spirit. But I question the authenticity, uh, the the, uh, the 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 authenticity of it when it's not something more than one syllable. But for years we have allowed people to do this and they will grab a hold of someone or they'll start to pray or whatever and they may, be, they may mean well, but somewhere along their life nobody taught them how the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit works. Listen, I understand in private prayer God may come upon you, you may have stammering lips where there may not be a whole lot of language going on, but at the same time, if you are going to be operating in the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, uh, there is a flow to language language. You may not understand Japanese, but when you hear it, there's a flow to it. You may not understand Spanish, but there's a flow to it. Uh, You may not understand even good English or proper English, but there's a flow to it. Uh, When it comes to the house of God, uh, when men and women are operating under the Holy Spirit, there should be a flow to it. If there's not a flow to it, then you have to question where is it coming from? Now, I have never heard anybody teach or preach on that, and I was like, Lord, what in the world am I going to do? Because I, I just have to be obedient to the Lord, and what I'm telling you tonight is this. Uh, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon people, uh, there will be a presence of language, uh, and that language will always bring glory and honor to the Lord. Yes. In every one of the incidents that I just mentioned, uh, you will find that that boggled the people's mind. And they said, Wow. What's going on? Can I tell you, there's not much boggling of the mind of somebody, is, especially an unbeliever. They just see somebody saying, ta-ta-ti-ti. do not take much to do that. But because they're spiritual leaders, that somebody that began to feel the presence of God 15 years prior simply said, oh, you got it, honey. Instead of praying them through... Leading them into the presence of God and getting them to a place where they have a real encounter with God now We have people walking around thinking they've been filled and yet they have never really experienced the true baptism of the Holy Spirit You see why do you bring that? Because can I tell you if we are to be like Christ? We are to walk in a manner in which he walked and he did not just walk around speaking in one syllable But he walked and he spoke with a language. We will not read in our Bibles that Jesus spoke with tongues. You won't hear those words read. But at the same time, it is very obvious that when Jesus was on the cross, because he was being led by the Spirit of God, that he, the Holy Spirit of God, manifested himself while Jesus was being crucified, because they had to interpret what Jesus was saying on the cross. Please hear me. In Mark chapter 5, verse 41, Mark chapter 7, verse 34, Mark chapter 15, verses 34 through 36, you can read those passages. Notice it says, Jesus spoke words which had to be interpreted. Now when you go back to the Greek manuscripts, those words were Aramaic. And they had to be written in some language. But however, if Jesus was speaking the known language of the day, then why is it that they had to try to interpret what he was saying? Because they thought he was calling for John. They thought he was calling for somebody. They didn't know what he was saying. Therefore, it is obvious that the Spirit of God, that he was baptized in and was led by in his earthly life, began to manifest even at the time of crucifixion. Can I tell you, In order for us to get through the times ahead, we are going to have to be men and women that are filled with the Spirit of God. I briefly mentioned three types of a manifestation of speaking in tongues. You could call one Pentecostal tongue. That is this. These are given for a sign for unbelievers. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. Men began to hear men and women of God speaking a language that they knew they had not studied, that they did not know. And they marveled at it. Here's what I want to say. And I know if you've been raised in the Pentecostal church at all and you brought your friends to church, you have probably had did, the, did this at some time. Lord, let them not have a shout down tonight because I have my friends with me. You all aren't that holy. you, you got to listen. I listen. You said, Lord, I, I'm taking my friends to church, and they've never been to church. But, Lord, don't let that Pentecostal tongue break out tonight. Don't, don't, don't let that happen tonight. Lord, they'll think we're crazy. We've been there. But here's what I want to say to you. Don't ever get nervous about a true manifestation of the power of the Holy Ghost. You do not have to be ashamed of it. God will not do anything to necessarily embarrass you. He may stretch you, absolutely. But notice with me, if the Holy Spirit is moving up on you, it will always bring glory and honor to him. And it will make unbelievers marvel at what's going on in the room. I mentioned a moment ago a private tongue. These are given for personal edification. Bible tells us that we are to pray in the Spirit. Sometimes you don't know how to pray. Sometimes you just don't know what to say, but that's when you rely on the Holy Spirit. If you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, every one of you will have a prayer language, but you have to yield to that prayer language. And I will tell you this, as a young individual i never understood exactly until later in life how my daddy could just seem to pray in the spirit at the drop of a hat and i used to travel with a lot of guys that really stretched me and they would simply do this line like this everybody just pray in the spirit and i just like y'all just on a whole different level than i am I, i and it made me very uncomfortable But I will tell you, as I have grown in the Lord and as I really dove into the things of God over the last several years, I began to realize that when you begin to yield to the presence of God and the Holy Spirit in your life and you begin to feed that spirit with the word, it's not something you work up. It's not something you do. It's something that becomes natural in your spirit. And your spirit will rise up and begin to pray. Allow it to pray because, can I tell you, I have listened to men pray beautifully Women pray beautifully by the Spirit and they not know what they was praying for and they're praying specifically for things that was happening in different parts of the world and even in situations that they did not know when they was interceding and God did some amazing things. And Then there is this what we call the public tongue. This is where it is given, where there is an interpretation for the church to be edified. Paul writes very delicately about it. In First Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll dive into it next week, some. But there is a great misunderstanding. Just because God begins to move on you in a public setting does not necessarily mean he's given you a public tongue. And I know this is something that you grow into as well. And you have understanding of it. But sometimes when you begin to start and you know what your prayer language is, sometimes and oftentimes even in this house in the midst of worship, in the midst of what's going on or what have you, I will stand and I will be praying privately and quietly in the spirit, interceding for the service and preparing to get on this platform to preach. And it's not something for the public to understand. But then there's other times that there is a public tongue where you will see an interpretation given. We have to learn the flow of the Holy Spirit. Please hear me. Just because you received the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost in your life, that does not mean that everybody's going to operate in the giftings where they're operating in a public tongue atmosphere. You may never be used that way. Or you may be used that way one time and never again. But here's the deal. The self, the same spirit, but it operates in many different levels, in many different ways. The thing is, for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, is we have to just be willing to say, Holy Spirit, flow through me as you desire. And let him flow in a manner that brings glory and honor. So the question then comes how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do we receive this gift? That you're speaking of tonight, and I'm going to bring it to a close. Number one, it's like this the same way that you receive salvation by faith. Yeah. Right. Know this, it is for every one of us in this room. Does it matter how long you've been saved? Does it matter? Where you've came from, doesn't matter what your giftings are, doesn't matter what your profession is, but we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by faith. We receive the gifts of God, we know this by faith, according to Romans 10 and 17. Notice this passage of scripture, this only, I want to learn from you, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Galatians 3, 2, and then also verse number 14. When you begin to receive it by faith, position yourself for it, notice with me. But then you say, well, I'm going to receive it by faith. Here's what we must do. A believer must come to the absolute conclusion that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the following. Number one, that it's biblical, meaning that it is for today. Acts 2 and 4 tells us, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. First of all, it's not about what I say, but you have to ask yourself, do I truly 100% believe that it's biblical? If you believe it's biblical and if it's for you today, then you also have to ask yourself this question, do I believe that it's necessary? Ephesians 5, 17, and 18 shows us very clearly. That it's necessary. And then what I said just a moment ago. Do I truly believe. That it's applicable for today. Mark 16 verse 17. As well as Acts 2 and 38. Clearly shows us. That this wonderful gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Is applicable for us today. Here's the only precursor. For us to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You must first be born again. You must be a man or a woman that has surrendered their life. You have to be one that has prayed the salvation and let Lord become Lord of your life and simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. That is the only thing that is required. Notice with me, Acts 8 and 12 tells us that very clearly. shows us that. Verse 14, verse through 17 as well. And when you find yourself receiving this gift, I sincerely believe that there will be a manifestation of speaking in some language that you have not yet known. Whether it be a a public language, whether it be a private language, or whether it be what we call a Pentecostal tongue, there will be a manifestation of the encounter that you have. So here's how we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive it by preparing our hearts. If you're under the sound of my voice tonight and you have yet to receive this wonderful gift, please hear me. You do not have to reach a certain spiritual status to receive it. You just have to be a born-again believer. But you have to begin to prepare your heart to receive it. Acts 2 and 38 is very clear but then you have to have an ear to hear. Meaning this, you have to come to a place where you have a scriptural understanding of God's promise. Because can I tell you, it is a promise. He says, if I go away, he will come. Can I tell you, he's here tonight in this room. You also read in scripture, it says where he is moving. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He's moving to and fro upon the earth today. Looking for a vessel that he can abide in or dwell in. Can I tell you tonight, he desires to dwell in you. So you have to have an ear to hear the promises of God. But not only must you prepare your heart, not only must you hear, but you must have a hunger for it. Meaning this, you have to have a great desire to receive it. And not so that you can say, oh, I've arrived. But you have a desire, a hunger to receive it because you want to do what God's called you to do. You are desiring to be the church. Matthew 5 and 6 tells us, those who hunger shall be filled. How many believes his word to be true? So if you hunger, here's one of the things that was very disturbing to me as a kid is I've heard men, and it seemed like men had a bigger struggle with it than women, but I've heard men after 30 years have been in the church stand up and testify, well, I've been seeking this sweet Holy Ghost for 30 years and I finally got it. You don't have to wait 30 years. It can come in a moment. It doesn't come by works. It doesn't come by meeting a certain standard of men, but it comes by having a hunger for all that God has for you. So if I prepare my heart and if I have an ear to hear and if I have a hunger for it, then what must I do, preacher? Here's what you have to do you just have to ask to receive. Luke chapter 11, verse number 13 makes it very clear. You just have to ask. But when you ask, you have to ask in this manner. You have to ask expecting to receive something. All weekend I had little Blakeland with me and it seemed like every time she saw me, she ran and put her arms up to me and she said this, num-nums, num-nums. Every time she saw me, she expected to receive something. She didn't care if it was a Cheerio. She didn't care what it was. She just wanted something to put in her mouth. But she had a hunger. Please hear me. As hands are laid upon you, and yes, that is biblical, Holy Spirit is able to be transferred and placed into your life when you're expecting to receive something. Paul told Timothy he says I remember that which you received when the hands of the presbytery was laid upon you. And the reason he received it was because he had prepared his heart he had heard the promises and he had a hunger for it. I wonder today do we have a hunger do we really have a hunger for the impartation of the Holy Spirit of God? Not so that we can say, oh, I've got it, and now I can sit down and don't have to do nothing. This may sound really, really off for some, but it would be better for you to never desire it and receive it if you wasn't going to use it. Because you will be held accountable for what you do with the gifts that God gives you. How do you know that, preacher? Maybe we should reread the story of the one that received the five talents and the three talents and the one talent. When God puts something in your possession, he does not expect you to bury it, but he expects you to invest it. I pray to God that once again a generation would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in such a manner that it would be like Jeremiah said I wasn't going to say anything else but it's like fire set up in my bones and I've got to say what God has given me I've got to invest everything that I've got because I've got to do something to change a culture I wonder tonight do we really have a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit God did not give his gift for you and I to just shake out bobby pins and to run some pews and to have some goosebumps. But he has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we could conquer a world and drive back darkness and set up dominion and walk in a manner where we're walking with the glory and the power of God in such a manner that a world begins to cry out and repent. We have millions of people that gathered in houses of worship in the United States of America today, but yet the world has been turned upside down, but in Acts chapter two, 120 turned it upside down. Just a few chapters later it said, oh, these are they that turned the world upside down. I wish to God we'd get some of those days again. If all we have is a ta ta ti tee then God help us. Let us receive a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. If all we have is a little shout and a little emotion, God help us. Because if somebody truly, truly has received the gift of the Holy Spirit, they are going to be movers and shakers, not for themselves, but for the kingdom of God. And if we're not seeking that then maybe we need to find the stairs back to the upper room that we was in when we received it the first time and say, God, I'm not leaving until I get it afresh again. can, Can I tell you tonight, when we get a biblical understanding of this gift and we have a true understanding of He, the Holy Spirit, we will never live like we've lived in the past. But we will have this burning desire to not just touch one, but to touch the masses. I wonder tonight, are we willing to take this and digest it in our spirit and say, God, teach me. Show me. Elevate me so that you might be elevated to the place that you would have me where I can flow in these giftings that comes from the impartation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we stand all over the house tonight. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Here's what I want us to do for the next few moments right where you are. I want us to pray into this thing just for a few moments. Maybe you're under the sound of my voice tonight and you'd say, Preacher, I know, I know that I have received the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. I know, I know that I have received that gift here's what I want you to do and especially next week and the message is that the Lord will help us I'm going to try my best to get you to a place where you don't have any anxiousness and anxiety to flow in that but I want you to begin to just realize that that gift has been given for you to fulfill the gifts and callings that God has called you to for the advancing of his kingdom and If you've received that gift, you're going to have to become willing to release that gift in your life. We want it to be flowing in the atmosphere in settings like this, but what about it flowing in your life personally? Are we willing to release it? How do I release it, preacher, you may ask? You release it by simply saying, God, I surrender and I yield. And you give voice to it and say, God, I thank you for this gift. But Lord, now I'm releasing this gift and I'm letting this gift just flow through me. And Lord, however this gift wants to operate in my members of this temporal body you've given me, I yield to that. Paul tells us very clear in the book of Romans that we are to yield. Another word for yield is just surrender. Please hear me. We need men and women of God tonight to truly yield to the authority of the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say this, but I think it it is important to say this again. You can never operate in authority until, first of all, you become subject to authority. And we have to become subject to the Holy Spirit in our life. And when we become subject to it, it releases us and there's a freedom that comes where then we can operate in authority. And God wants us to operate in authority on a greater level than we've ever known. And we're going to have to have that level of authority to touch. And to go and do those things that God's calling the church to in this season. So if you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, I don't care when it was, 50 years ago or five days ago or five minutes ago, I want you to just begin to pray and pray into it and just say, Lord, I'm releasing the Holy Spirit. I'm yielding myself to it. But maybe you're in this room and you say, you know what, I've never really received that gift can I ask you, do you desire it? Do you desire all that God has for you? If you do, I I want you to just begin the process as we get ready to go into these other sermons next weekend. I want you to begin to prepare your heart. Say, God, I'm preparing. Lord, I'm preparing my heart for you to do a new work in my life. And Lord, I'm hearing and I'm believing that it's, And I want you to really dig into this in your times of devotion this week. I want you to prepare your heart. And I want you to ask those questions. Do I believe that it's for me? Do I I believe it's applicable for today? Do I really believe it's necessary for the church to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? I want you to begin to pray in that manner even tonight. Because I'm believing. I'm believing for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come to men and women in this ministry and across this nation. I sincerely believe that there is men and women that's getting ready to come from a place of obscurity and they're going to be empowered and equipped and they're going to do exploits for the kingdom of God. You say, why is it so important? Can I tell you, if the Holy Spirit gets free in individual men and women it sets the atmosphere for miracles and signs and wonders to begin to happen in our community. And I believe this with all that's in me, that there is getting ready to be a great manifestation. As I have shared recently, I believe that That first wave that I saw at the beginning of this year, I believe was that which was at Asbury. But I think we're entering in, getting ready to experience a second wave of anointing, a second wave of a move of God. And it's going to come through an impartation and a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And it only happened in places where men and women begin to press in. We got to have a biblical understanding of who he is. I'm not taking anything away from generations before us and I'm not saying that I have figured it all out completely, but I'm telling you this, that I've been alone with God and I'm telling you that there's men and women that's walking around saying, oh, I've got it and they don't have it. And the church is suffering, our communities are suffering, our nation is suffering. Listen, this isn't about just just an outward expression. This is about an equipping of the saints. I'm really not concerned about how well you shout. I'm not really concerned about how many prophetic utterance you try to give. What I'm concerned about is a harvest that's been left in the field. I'm trying to bring clarity and I'm even trying to bring correction at the same time of bringing release and if you think that's not a hard thing to do I'll trade places with you because the last thing I want is for somebody to be subconscious well is this God is this God no 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 there's a freedom that comes when you get into the place of the Holy Spirit flowing in your life you don't have to second guess it but tonight can we just begin to bombard heaven for a few moments before we leave and I'm gonna ask you to do one of those things that I didn't understand for years until the last probably six years of my life. If you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Don't be intimidated by what others may be doing around you or who's sitting beside you or in front of you. This isn't for the home. This is just for you and God. saying, God, I'm calling out to you today. Let's position ourselves for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Because when it begins to fall on you and I, it's going to begin to fall on others. Oh God, we lift up our voice to you today.